Well, praise the Lord. How many of you are happy tonight? You're glad to be saved. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. God's a good God. Amen. He loves you. We welcome those that are uh, viewing by uh, television as well, live stream. We welcome you to the service tonight. Let's just, before we go into the message tonight, let's just bow our heads one more time and let's approach the throne room of God. Father, we just praise you. We thank you now for this opportunity to minister the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that your word is spirit and it is life. Everything concerning your word is everything that we need. So we thank you that our ears are open, our hearts are receptive, and we're ready to receive receive the seed of the word of God into our life. And we give you praise. We give you honor and glory. We thank you for revelation knowledge and insight into who you are and what we possess in you. And we give you all of the praise, give you all of the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Everybody's in agreement. Say amen. Amen. Well, the subject matter that has been being ministered here for several weeks now is fighting the good fight of faith. How many of you know it's a good fight when you win? That's the only fight that's good is the one that you win. And the, the thing about it is, is Jesus has already won everything for you. He's won the victory. You and I have the victory in him and we give him all the praise, honor, and glory. We live our life, move, and have our being in him. So everything about what Jesus accomplished for you and for me has been satisfied by the gavel of justice. There is nothing that the devil can do about it. Jesus has already won. You see, I'm on the winning team. I'm, my life is hid in him. When you think of something being hid, you, can't, you have to go search it and find it. So I've been hid in him. You've been hid in him. And everything concerning your life, he has taken care of. Doesn't make any difference what it is, if it's in the physical realm, if it's in the spiritual realm, if it's in the domestic realm. Jesus has taken care of everything. And there's literally nothing that the enemy can do about it unless he can get us to give up our faith. And we're not going to give up our faith. Amen. We're keeping our faith. That's a keeper. We're going to keep it until that good and notable day of the Lord come, and we join him once again uh, in that beautiful time that he's planned for us. So open up your Bibles, if you would, please, to 1 Timothy. That's the founding scripture for the series that we're ministering. Tonight, we're going to be sharing with you. We're going to, we're going to get to that part in a few minutes, but uh, we're going to be talking about the shield of faith. How many of you know that one of the parts of the armor is the shield? And some people have a different concept about that shield and what it is like, what it was designed for. Of course, it is. uh, How many of you know that you don't carry around a physical shield? How many of you know everything that you have, literally, that uh, uh, you possess in your life, it's invisible to the natural eye? But I want you to know that it is supernatural anyway. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So you are greater because of his abiding position in your life that you've allowed him to be. So the shield, even though it's, it was used, uh, they use the analogy in the scripture of an actual army and what the shield was all about. It is a spiritual shield that you have in your life. And Jesus has made the provision and the way for you to be able to carry that, enjoy that, 
keep it abreast all the time in your life so that you can enjoy the full amount of it. So uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Say it's a good fight. It's a good fight. Say it again. It's a good fight. It's worth fighting. How many of you know you're going to be in a fight? It's going to, you're going to fight. You might as well get prepared for it because you and I are going to fight. There's not one human being that is a Christian that's not going to have to fight this fight. But it's a good fight. And the reason it's a good fight is because you've already won. You've already won because he won it for you. How many of you know he stripped the enemy? In Colossians 2, it says he stripped the enemy of all his position of authority, everything concerning your life. Jesus bought back everything that was lost in the garden. All dominion and authority has now been restored back. Health has been restored back. Victory has been restored back. Everything is rightfully ours because he has made provision for it in our life. So it's a good fight. He said, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So it's a good fight. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a good fight. And I'm going to fight it. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's a good fight. And I'm going to fight it. And he's talking about you. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. We have the victory because he made us to be victorious. Amen. Go with me to 2 Timothy, if you would please, chapter number 4. 2 Timothy, chapter number 4. Now, Paul is preparing himself because he has, he's coming close to the end of his journey. And as he's making this final uh, statement to Timothy, who has uh, been his comrade, his partner one that he has helped to train, to bring up in ministry and everything else. Paul is declaring something to him. And I want us to just listen to the statement that he is making. And this all has to do with Paul's uh, relationship with the Lord and where he is at right towards the end. And he says, for I am now, verse number six, he said, for now I am ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. Verse number seven says, I have fought a good fight. How many of you have followed the, the ministry of the Apostle Paul, seen all of the things that he went through? How many of you know that he wrote, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament? Most of that time of writings was in prison or in jail. But yet he says, I fought a good fight. So that's an encouragement to you and I that you and I need to fight a good fight. Regardless of the obstacles in our life, the circumstances and the situations that we're confronted with, Jesus has made a way and Paul proved it out in his own walk. Jesus proved it out in his own walk. Everywhere Jesus turned, there was opposition. Everywhere. Paul, everywhere he turned... There was opposition. How many of you know that he was stoned and left for dead? Not only did, was he left for dead, but he says, I knew a man once that uh, whether he was in the spirit or out of the spirit, I'm not real sure. He's talking about himself. Paul left this life physically and God brought him back because his 
time was not finished. He had a dispensation of time that God allotted to him to fulfill in his ministry that he placed within Paul the Apostle. He said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Now, how many of you know it's important that we fight the good fight so that you can finish your course? See, everything that uh, you may think or I may think, God has something special inside of you that only you can do for him. Nobody else can complete for him what you can complete for him. You've got a special anointing. You've got a special destination. You've got a, a, a special job in your life to do. It may not be what somebody else is obviously doing, but there's something in you that he's anointed you for to be able to carry out the task, and he wants you to finish the course. Finish it. Say, I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to fight the good fight. Because he's called you to finish. This is no time to give up. This is no time to quit. We're we're in the last of the last days. And this is no time to be fooling around. This is not a time to play church. This is time to be the church. With the anointing, with the power, with the authority that God has assigned to the church. How many of you know that the, the miracles of the last day are going to be greater than that which was of the former day? The former rain and the latter rain are colliding together and there is going to be an absolute outpouring of the Spirit like never seen before. That's what this church is, is, is on the prefaces of doing. Is There's a great anointing, a great outpouring that is taking place and God is preparing His church. He's getting us in order. He's kind of trying to get us to suit up so that we can be prepared and we can be ready to be able to take the challenge to the enemy and win everything in every dimension. I I believe that like it was in days gone by, they had times when hospitals were emptied out of the sick because they would go in, lay hands on the sick, and they just recover. John G. Lake had one of the greatest healing ministries that was known in the entire United States. It's amazing. They would bring people into the prayer rooms, and they would not leave the prayer rooms until they walked out healed. Or they left on a stretcher. They didn't have that many that left on a stretcher. Most everybody that went into those healing rooms, they came out healed. Do you know why? Because the ones that brought them in had faith, and they that went in had faith to receive. It takes a faith to give and a faith to receive to get everything that God's got for you. We've got to finish our course. There are so many things outside the walls has been told to us over and over. We're here to serve these people outside the walls. We're trying to get everybody in here out of the sick beds into being doctors and nurses so that we can touch the lives of those that are hurting and lost and without hope. But we've got the hope. Not only we got the hope, we got the healing. We've got the victory in every area of our life because he's made way for it. Can you say amen? Amen. So he said, I fought a good fight of faith. He said, I finished my my course and I kept the faith. He kept it. He never let it go. He never gave in to anything. He never let the enemy discourage him one time when he was in prison. He just took the opportunity to be anointed. 
He, he obviously wasn't discouraged. You don't hear him saying any discouraging things. He said, for me to be absent is just to be present. He said, if I do leave the life, he said, it's a win-win for me. I have nothing to lose. How many of you know that your journey in life here is just a breath? In connection, God is a God that is a day is a thousand years. And a thousand years is a day. In other words, he's not on a time frame. You and I are on time frames because we're in this 24-hour mechanism that we live in. But he wants us to think beyond that because, see, we're just starting. When you check out from this life, you're going into eternal life. God doesn't operate in time because God's not time. He's eternal. Just like faith is eternal. Everything concerning it. How far can you go in faith anyway? I've pastored for a long time. 41 years we've pastored. And people would come up to me and say, Pastor Phil, we can't go too far in faith. You know, that kind of, kind of gets out of balance, doesn't it? Where, where does faith ever get out of balance? When it's the faith of God. Where does it ever get out of balance? How many of you walk down the street and your shadow heals people and delivers people? How many of you walked on water? How many of you have calmed the storm? Amen. We can do that. If Jesus said, do as I've done, not only will you be able to do the things I've done, but you'll be even do far greater. So everything that he did in the natural, we can definitely do today, but it's a matter of where our faith walk is and where the need is and where the calling is and what the job is for us to do for him. Amen. He said, but I kept the faith. I think that's really encouraging. I kept the faith. He said, I didn't give it up. I kept it. He never let it go. He never turned it loose. He never gave one second to anything that would try to come against him. He couldn't afford to. Because, see, he had a dispensation of time designated for his calling and for the ministry that God had called him to. And he could not be a disappointment to what God was trying to fulfill on this planet Earth. Thank God for the Apostle Paul. But then again, he's just patterning his life after Jesus. Jesus was his example, just exactly as he is for you and I today. Galatians 2 and 20. Paul the Apostle made this statement. He said, I am crucified with Christ. How many of us are crucified with him? I am crucified with Christ. That word crucified means put to death. The biggest problem that we have is what we look at in the mirror. How many of you know the fight that we're fighting is not against really flesh and blood? I don't have, we, we shouldn't have any problems with one another. There shouldn't be any ism. There shouldn't be any chism in the body. Matter of fact, one of the, the seventh thing that God hates is those that sow discord. And we're just not going to be a part of that. We don't have time for that. Time has advanced too much to have those type of things going on today. We have to let go of those. Those are petty things. Those are things that just distract. 
They, they tried to discourage. They tried to get us to be despondent. They tried to be, get us to be inactive. They, they tried to get us to stop our love walk. How many of you know everything that Jesus did was a love walk? Everything that God did was a love walk. God so what? He so loved the world, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's a love walk. It's what it's always been about. Walking in faith is a walk of love. It's a walk of peace and patience and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness and kindness and and, uh, faithfulness, just being consistent. Man, if if you're going to be a Christian today, you've got to love people. You've just got to love people. People are not your enemy. Aren't you glad that, you know, if you, if you feel like they're your enemy, how about you being their enemy? Sometimes they feel that way because sometimes they think that we as Christians sometimes kind of turn our nose up in the air and, and uh, all we have to do with is just Christian people. Uh, Jesus spent more time with the heathen than he did with his own 12. He spent time with his 12, but he trained his 12 to reach out to that lost and dying world. Remember, it was he that said, look on the fields which are white already unto harvest. Soul winning should be a part of our inbred condition of our our spiritual walk with him. Reaching out to people and touching people's lives, and it does not make. There are some people you will never touch. That's okay. Somebody else will reach them. But he gave us that, that calling. He gave Paul the same thing. He said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. He loved me. He still loves me. He loves me. He took care of past, present, and future. There's not anything I can do that really disappoints him. It only just postpones my journey a little bit if I get off track. But if I'll, if I'll be repentant and if I'll have the right attitude of love so that I can be able to put on this full armor of God, I need to learn to suit up. Now, whenever I was in the military, uh, I had the on, honor and the privilege of serving and going to Vietnam and, and being a part of that uh, that that time era. But before I did that, I was not a Christian at the time, but before I did that, I went to boot camp. Now, boot camp was exactly what they said it would be. I was a young person. I was only 16 years old. My dad signed me up whenever I was uh, 16 because he was in the army and he thought, son, the military will make a man out of you. So I'm going to sign you up. I don't know what kind of a problem I was for him, but evidently he thought I needed some extra discipline in my life, so he signed me up. And I went to boot camp whenever I was a It was after my junior year, I went to boot camp. I was the youngest recruit at boot camp. And I was in the Navy, and we went to a Marine boot camp. Uh, my, my, my. I tell you what. I loved it. 
I liked the scrapping. I liked all of that kind of stuff. I liked all of the activity and the, you know, the, the things that you, you had to do to be involved and get prepared. But the one thing that I noticed about our drill instructors was they were always constantly trying to get us to do what they were telling us to do. And my drill instructor in particular, I believe he got up every morning, early every morning, and ate garlic. (laughs) And he would come and stand right in front of your face, put his nose on my nose, and start talking to me. Now, it wasn't the greatest language in the world, but it was language I understood as a young person and everything else, but he was giving me instruction. He was telling me what I should do and what I should not do, how to act, what I was supposed to do at the time that he said to do it. I was to do it immediately without hesitation, without asking a question or saying, uh, what do you mean? Or why? There were no whys in the boot camp. Those of you that were in the military went to boot camp, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so... I never will forget at the end of our training and everything else, uh, me and some of the, the other guys, we went into a place that we shouldn't have been, but we went into the place anyway. And the drill sergeant was in that, uh, uh, that place. And so we went up to him and we asked him, why did you treat us like the scum of the earth? Why is that necessary? Why is it necessary to talk to us like that? He said, I, I talked to you that way because I was trying to get you to learn how to respond to my command. When I said, hit the dirt, I meant for you to hit the dirt in right then. He said, I wanted you to obey immediately. And I think sometimes that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to do is just simply obey. He wants us to suit up. That's the reason he gave us all this armament. He wants us to put it on so that you and I can do what we need to do for him in this, especially this last hour. And so this armament means a lot. Paul is saying, he said, I fought the good fight. I've crucified my flesh. I've gone through the boot camp. I know what it's like to go through what I need to go through. My faith has been tested, but I want you to know it's been tried and everything else, but I kept it. I never let it go. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not going to let mine go either. I'm going to fight it. I'm a winner. I'm more than a conqueror. I always triumph in the Lord. I cannot be defeated because my Savior was never defeated and he won the victory for me. Therefore, I'm victorious. In Jesus' name, by the power of the blood, I'm set free. Amen and amen. So Paul said, I'm fighting a good fight. I finished my course and I've kept the faith. And that's what we're going to do. That's what it's going to take in this last hour because the devil is working double time, overtime, big time, trying to get you to get off of your faith walk and get you looking at circumstances and situations in life, whether they be through a natural person or through situations that you might be in the middle of. Maybe it's an attack on your phys- physical body. I don't know. It doesn't make any difference. We win. We win in this. Uh, 
Another thing I want to bring just before we go into this, to Ephesians chapter 6 is death has been such a, um, an overshadowing term or word for people's lives. You as a Christian, death should not be a word that, that bothers you. Death should be a victorious word for you. It just means to be separated from. That's all it means, to be separated. Uh, I've done a number of funerals, and I cannot tell you the number of times whenever I, I look at the audience and I say, you know, death, uh, for, for this person that is, is lying here, the remains of that person, that person is not here. That person has been separated. The real them is in the presence of the Lord. These people walked with the Lord. They, they talked with the Lord. They were, they were everything that they felt like God wanted them to be. They've, they've done their job. They fought a good fight. They have finished their course. They've done what they feel like they were supposed to do. And I said, they're not, they're not dead. They're more alive today than they've ever been in their entire life. They stepped out of this natural life into eternity. And they got reunited with people that have gone before them and they're getting to shake the hand of Paul and Peter and James and John and David and all of the rest of them that are there and Jesus himself. They finally get to see him face to face and they know as they have been known. So death for us, as it was for Paul, he didn't, he didn't major on that. He majored on to live is Christ, to die is gain. To live is just Christ. How many of you know Christ means Jesus and his anointing? To live is to be in the anointing. And to die is to be in the anointing. To live is Christ, to die is just simply gain. I haven't lost anything. It's been a number of years ago, but my dad, I, I got born again before he ever got born again, and uh, I, I never will forget. My dad was a heathen. I was raised in a heathen home until I was 21 years of age. Diane, my wife, you know, my, my wife, uh, she was my high school sweetheart, and uh, I would go to her house, and she went to church. Now, she went to a denominational church, and uh, it, it was a good soul-winning church, uh, but they just didn't know what to do with you after they got you saved. That's all. But she went to that church, and occasionally I would go with her to that church. Now, I cannot tell you one sermon that the preacher preached. See, I wasn't there to hear the message. I was there to sit next to her and hold her hand and take her to go get a Coke afterwards. That was what my mind was on. My mind wasn't on anything about Jesus or anything about getting born again or, you know, any of those type of things. I was just interested in the young lady that's sitting on this front row over here that I'm going to be married to for 53 years at the end of December. And... I just want you to know that she, 
she was in the right place and took me to the right place, but sometimes you can go into the places that are right and not be ready or right to receive whatever it is. So my mind wasn't set on that. That's the reason when we come in here, we need to come in here with a mindset, I'm going to receive something from my life that's going to better me to be able to reach somebody else. Well, I said that to say this. My dad, who had gone through World War II and was on his way to the Battle of the Bulge, he was a tank commander and was on his way to the Battle of the Bulge, and he knew that it was over. He knew that his life, because there was no way that he could win against the, uh, uh, the tanks that the Germans had. And so he had a lot of memories concerning that. And so he called me one day. I'd been a pastor for about five or six years. And he called me, never been in my church or anything. And uh, he called me and he said, son, he said, uh, I, I need to come. I need you to come and talk with me. I'd, I'd like to have a friend to talk to. I don't want you to come as my son. I don't want you to come as a minister. I want you to come just as a friend. I need to talk, and I need three days. I said, Dad, I am really busy. I said, I've got a lot of things on my schedule and everything else. He said, Son, I need you bad. I said, I, he said, I said Dad, when do you need me? He said, I need you tomorrow. I said, Dad, that's just going to be almost impossible. He said, but I need you. So I brought my secretary in. I said, cancel every appointment I've got. Make me a, a, a flight for Dallas, and, uh, and I'll meet my dad in Dallas. I'll be gone for three days, and then you can reschedule me after that. So I went and spent time with my dad for those three days. Now, I'm saying all this to you to say, What's really important is to learn to be sensitive to people in their life. I don't care if it's your family or if it's someone else, to be sensitive. You know, sometimes your time is so valuable for them. It is their moment in life. It's their opportunity. Sometimes it's their last call to receive what the Lord has for them. And so I went, and I remember for three days, I sat. I did exactly what he asked me to do. I sat, and I listened to him. And at the end, I mean, I cried like a baby most of the time, just hearing his story, what he went through, why he was the way he was, why he was the way he was now. And he, at the end, he said, son, he said, uh, what can you tell me? I said, Dad, there's really only one thing I can tell you. I said, Jesus took care of everything for you. All of your hurts, all of your memories, all of your pain, all of your suffering, everything that you've gone through, Jesus holds the answer. I don't hold all of your answers. I can only take you to the one who has all the answers. He said, I got saved whenever I was 12 years old. He said, but I just never have done anything with it. My life has been, and he told me, I, I knew, I said, your life has just been a disaster, one thing after another, heartache, heartbreak. He said, yeah. I said, Dad, why don't we get down on our hands and knees and let me 
take you to the one who can help you. He said, okay. So I got down with him, and my stepmother, who was in the other room, she heard what was going on, and she came in. And she said, I want to be a part of what's going on here. She said, I want to know the Lord. Philip, like you know him. I said, that's easy. So I had the privilege of leading both of them to the Lord. Both of them. Just because people have gone through hard times, just giving them a little time and love. Love never fails. Who would have ever thought that I would ever have been the person to have done that? Because you don't know all of the things he and I went through with one another. But it was an honor. A number of years later, I got to do my dad's funeral. Then I got to do my stepmother's funeral. What an honor to be able to, to know in your knower. It wasn't hard to do something that you knew to be absent was to be present. And so Paul the Apostle is talking about that, and then he leads us into this next part. Let's go to Ephesians, if you would, please. Ephesians chapter number 6. I just want you to know your life, you, you never know. You never know when it is that God's going to call on you to do something for him. It may be just taken to a pie to somebody next door. We don't hardly do that these days. Used to in the olden days, they used to, uh, when new neighbors came in, they would come over and, you know, have a welcome wagon type thing and welcome the people and the neighbors would come and bring them coffee and pies and meals and everything else. We don't have that, that much anymore. We don't even know our neighbors in most cases anymore because society has been created in such a way uh, that, you know, it's just the doors have been shut. But for the Christian, we have to open that back up again. We have to make ourselves available to touch people's lives and to encourage them. Ephesians chapter number 6, starting at verse number 10. He said, finally, my brethren. He said, be strong in the Lord. What does the word finally mean to you? Finally. Finally. We've gotten to this part, to this point. Now, finally, here's something that's very important that I want to express to you that you need to grab a hold of so that you can run with it. He said, be strong in the Lord. How does a strong person act? Strong. They're not wimpy. They're not mealy-mouthed. They're, they're not poor-talking. They're strong. You know, you may not have two nickels to rub together but you can still be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Uh, this has been a number of years ago, uh, too. Diane and I were pastoring our first church, and uh, one day there was a, an emergency took place. This is before cell phones. 
all this kind of stuff. You know, we've been praying. We've been seeking the Lord. How many of you know my sheep know my voice, follow my voice, and the voice of a stranger they'll not follow? And so there was an emergency that took place. She had a telephone call, and so she said, Phil is gone. He's got the car. There's nothing I can do right this minute except pray. I was busy. I had a number of errands that I was doing and everything else. I was completely on the other side of town, and Diane uh, starts praying in the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost gets a hold of me in the car, and he says, turn around. Your wife needs you at home. And I thought, no, okay, uh, fine. I'll I'll get there just as quick as I can um, and everything else. uh, You know, thank you for letting me know she needs something. And the Holy Spirit said, no, turn around right now. So I did. I turned around and I went back home. And as as I drove up in the driveway, she comes out of the door, completely dressed, ready to go, gets in the car. She says, I just got a call Uh, from one of our families, it's an emergency. We need to go to such and such place. And she said, thank you for listening to the Holy Ghost. Listen, we need to be that sensitive that we can hear his voice, follow his voice, and not follow the voice of a stranger. Not just throw things out to intuition, not just put it off. I mean, the Lord tells us to call one of our friends. We need to do it right then. He tells us to bake a pie, stop what you're doing, bake the pie, and take it wherever he told you to take it. Amen? Just be consistent about following. That's what part of this is putting the whole armor of God is all about. Be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. How much of the armor? The whole armor. That means all of it. All the pieces that are necessary Uh, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, what are wiles? What are they? Well, they're deceptions. They are strategies that are trying to divert you away from whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing for the Lord. How about trickery? The enemy is up to everything. In John 10, 10, he says he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But he said, I've come that you might have life, and have that life more abundantly. He's, and he goes on to say, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness uh, in this world, uh, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Now I want to go back up to verse number 11. He said, Put on. Christianity is a put on. You got to put it on. You can't just say, well, I've got the armor of God, but do you have it on? Did you put it on? It's not going to do you any good if you don't have your armor on. And we know all of these pieces are for specific reasons in our life. They are spiritual positions that we are to post and to host as the army of God. Every soldier in the army, look at your neighbor and say, you're a soldier. You may be in boot camp. But you're a soldier. How many of you know we're in the greatest army of the world? We've got a great army in this nation. There's no question about it. But there's no army that is greater than the army of the Lord. We can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all the call of duty because thou art with me. Amen? 
he said, he goes on and he says uh, that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. He said it twice, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand. Stand, therefore. Having your lorns girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, which is what you heard last week, and above all, everybody say above Above. all, All. taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Somebody is shooting at you. Somebody is trying to take you out. Somebody is trying to stop and thwart what it is that you are doing for God. That's the reason you need the armor of God on. He said, put the whole armor on so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. These fiery darts, what are they? What is the shield? What does it look like? Let me tell you, it does not look like one of those pizza pan jobs. This shield of faith is in the army of that day, the shield that went out before the army that the men carried. Matter of fact, all the men had them, and I'll explain to you uh, what history teaches us. That whenever they would come against their foe, their enemy, They had short armament pieces that they would attack them with, and they had long things, like arrows. Sometimes they would take those arrows and they'd dip them in a solution, and they would set them on fire. And there would be hundreds or thousands of them that would be lined up, the archers, and they would prepare. Well, these guys would have their shields. Now, the shield was about the size of a door. It covered the whole body of the man. And the man had it. And what the man would do, he would take that shield whenever it came time. They would say, shields up. The people that were on the very front, they would take their shields and they would jab them down into the ground. And stand behind, hunker down behind those shields. And then the people, the row that was right behind them, they would take their shields and they would lay it over the top of the shield that was in the front and they would hold the backside. And then each row would do the same thing. They would lay their shields over and over and over. They were underneath a shelter so that when they fired those arrows into the air, it would be like a cloud of arrows and they would come flying down and they would hit the top of it. Bing, 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 bing. They were protected by that shield. That shield protected that entire uh, army from the attack of the enemy in that fashion. So your shield is a spiritual shield. How many of you know that faith is the substance of the things hoped for being the evidence of the things not seen? In verse 6 in Hebrews 11 says, Without faith it's impossible to please him. 
For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Matthew chapter 5 said in the Beatitudes, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. If we're hungry and we're thirsting, I don't think you would be here on Wednesday night if you weren't hungry and thirsty. I believe you're hungering. I believe you're thirsting after everything that God has for you. You want to live up to everything that God has called you to be and to do for him. And nothing is too big and nothing is too small for him. You can be the doorkeeper in the house of God. If that's your call and that's what you're supposed to be doing, then you do it to the best of your ability. You be the best door greeter that there is. Amen. Be no one, anything like you. Just be anointed to do the task. Be that usher. Be that hospitality worker. Be the cleanup crew. Whatever it takes to fulfill the vision of this house. When Pastor Diane and I came here, being pastors as we, we have been for the number of years that we have been, first things we did was we met with Pastor Justin and his wife and, and we just told them, listen, we're here to help you to fulfill the vision of the house. We're not looking for any position. We're not looking for anything. We just want to be a help. How can we help? We want to help you to fulfill the vision of the house. Listen, to be a good leader, you have to learn to be a good follower. You're a good follower before you become a good leader. You got good leaders, but they were good followers first. You got good uh, uh, associates Everybody that's on the ministry team, I'm telling you, they are good people. People that are over in the, in the, in the next uh, steps uh, across the way, probably all of you have gone to them at one time or another. But those people go in there, they give of their time, they give of their, their energies and everything else, so into the lives of people to help them to get to the next step in their life, to be an encouragement and a blessing to them, just as you have been called and I have been called to do the same thing. So uh, it, it's, it's a large door-like structure if you see it in the physical eye, but you're not going to see it. This is a spiritual thing, and this has to do with your relationship. And Paul said himself, he said, I kept the faith. I kept it. I kept hold of it. I never let it go. Your faith is what qualifies you for the suiting up of all of the equipment. How many of you know you can't even get saved without faith? Ephesians 2.8 says what? It's by grace that you're saved, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's, it's by grace that you are saved through faith. It takes the act of faith in your life to even get born again. And nobody can get born again except the Spirit of God draw you. So it's all an act of faith and obedience and submission to that which God has planned for us in our life. How many of you have heard the term submit? In the Bible, it's a military term. In the original Greek, it means to rank under, put yourself under. We've only got, you know, we've only got one visionary in the house. There's one visionary in the house. Anytime you have two visions, you've got what we call division. Or division. 
It's called die, meaning two, two visions. You can't have two visions in the house. You've got to have one vision, one plan that God has for us to go and to accomplish and to fulfill. And it is our jobs as we've been called to serve and to minister is to help to fulfill the vision of the house, not fulfill the man or the woman, but fulfill the vision that God has placed, the mandate that is on this house. As we were leaving our church in, in Massachusetts to come this direction that we'd pastored for 28 years, and we came down here, the, the pastor, that the man and his wife that we chose, we set them down and we said, there's a vision here in this house. And I want to know what your vision is. What is your vision? And he sat down and explained to us the vision. His vision just lined right up with the vision of the house. Now, how he goes about accomplishing that, how many of you know there's one vision, but there's many ways to get to the accomplishment of that vision? I mean, my personality does one thing one way and another personality does another thing another way and everything else, but it all accomplishes the mandate that God has. So that's what Paul is telling us. We've got to get suited up so that we can be fulfilled to be able to carry out the mandate that God has. How many of you know our number one mandate is to go ye into all the world and proclaim, preach this gospel to every creature? He that is lost and is, you know, is baptized shall be saved. That's our job, is to win the lost at any cost, whatever it takes. If it, if it takes a particular thing to do, how many of you know that uh, maybe what worked in the 50s is not going to work? You know, in the 2000 era, we found that to be true. Times have changed. People have changed. Situations have changed. But how many of you know the gospel never changes? It's still a mandate to go ye. Not just sit ye. But go ye into all the world. So what are darts? What are darts? What are those things that we're getting our shield up to reflect away from us. What are they? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. He said, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more godliness, and their word will eat at the canker, of whom Hymenaeus and Philetus... Uh, he named them by name what they were doing. They were sowing words. How many of you know that in Mark's gospel, chapter 4, uh, in verse 24, and he said unto them, he said, take heed to what you hear. How many of you know you can't listen to just everybody? Uh, there's some Christians you can't listen to. He said, with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you and to, unto him that hears shall more be giving, given. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty uh, through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, fiery dark, a stronghold fiery dart, an imagination, 
a vain imagination, a fiery dart, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Anything that goes contrary to the word of God is a dart. The purpose of that dart is to bring deception, trickery, or strategies to pull you away from your faith walk. It says, the just shall live by faith. I ministered a message one time, just the just live by faith. Just the just live by faith. Not everybody that goes to church lives by faith. But there has to be a church that will finally rise to the standard that God has established in his word that will be that army that will accomplish great exploits in his name. We just got through being told, get ready for it. All these wonders, amen, extraordinary things, that's going to happen by you. One day God's going to call you to go lay your hands on the sick and they're just going to get up and walk off. Well, don't be shocked when it happens. I don't know why we get shocked when we see somebody come out of a wheelchair or come off crutches or, or their back straighten up or whatever, or they take cast off of their arms or legs and everything else. That ought to be the norm. It ought to be the norm. Uh, I mean, we, sh- we should expect that to happen. We need to get our expectors up so that, that that becomes a reality. It's not just something that we, we uh, talk about, but it's something that we've experienced. Praise God. Hallelujah. We need to wind this down. In Galatians chapter number 1 and uh, verse 8, it says, But though uh, we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, then that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Everything needs to line up with the Word. The Word has the precedence over everything. How many of you know this is the truth? This is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. This is the truth. This is not maybe a truth. This is the truth. How many of you know we have one Savior? There's only one Savior. I mean... There's no one else in the world that has been recorded in the history books of the world that became the Savior of all mankind by giving up his blood. Only one. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Emmanuel, God with us. There's only one true God. There's many gods in the world, but anybody that starts talking to us about something that doesn't line up with the Word of God and goes away from Jesus being the the Son of the living God, then we need to get away from it because it's a trick. It's trying to sow discord, trying to sow doubt, fear, unbelief into our life, trying to sow... uh, Uh, discouragement, resentments. How many of you know discouragement and resentments are just cancers to the body of Christ? We can't afford to be resentful, bitter and resentful. It doesn't make any difference what we've gone through in life. You may say, well, Pastor Phil, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've been through. I'm telling you, some of the meanest people in the world are Christians. 
or, or pronounced Christians, profess to be Christians, but yet some of the greatest, most lovely people in the world are those who embrace Christianity and are putting on the whole armor of God. Amen. Amen. Not a, let, let it not be once said that we be of the other category. Let us be love extended. That's his arms. Let it be love that walks and reaches out. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The breastplate of righteousness, knowing who we are and what we possess in him. We're not righteous in our own standing because our righteousness is as filthy rags. But in him is who we live and we have and move our beings of life. He has made a way for us. He's given us the armament to put on so we can enjoy the full benefits of everything that he's called us to. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, it says, They were ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I think that's pretty sad. They were ever learning. They weren't learning what the Word says because the Word brings you to truth. It brings you to peace. It brings you to happiness and joy and fulfillment in life. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. See, they were learning, but they weren't learning truth. They were learning about everything else. Listen, you don't have to learn about Satanism to be able to combat Satanism. You don't have to learn about all of the other isms and chisms of the world. All you got to do is fall in love with Jesus and let him lead you, guide you, and direct you. And he'll give you everything that you need to say in that moment. Everything. They resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Notice what they were reprobate concerning the faith. So, what's the devil after? He's after your faith. He's trying to get your faith to where you will put it at a lower standard than where it needs to be in your life. How many of you know Jesus is the author of faith? He's the finisher of faith. He is the beginning. He is the ending. He's our all in all. He's king of kings. He's Lord of Lord. He's not going to be He is. We're not waiting till we meet him. We're accepting him as who he is now. He sent the Holy Spirit to aid us, to assist us, to take us into the presence of Almighty God. That's who ushers us into the presence of the Lord is the Holy Spirit. When the church raptures out, guess who takes us? The Holy Spirit does. And then we're going to enjoy a millennial time or a time with the Lord, and then we're going to come back and enjoy a millennial time with him on this earth where he truly will be set up as the king. And there will be peace on this earth. And then the end's going to come. 
and we're going to be a part of that great notable time of the Lord come. Amen. Amen. So the armor is set up for you and I to enjoy the full benefits of everything that God has for you and I. There was a little bit more here, but we'll just do it some other time. Praise God. Are you excited about the Lord? Did you, did you get something tonight? Did, did this help you or encourage you? Say this with me. I'm ready. I'm prepared. I'm able to suit up and to carry out all of the dictates and the call of God upon my life. I will finish my course and I will keep the faith. Amen.